This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about bubble tea. Yes. <laughs> oh. oh, the craving. The craving. Yeah, yeah. I Bubble tea is something that I crave approximately like twice a week. Um, mm. It's a textural thing. Gummy textures are my very favorite. And uh, so it's just, oh, it's, and it's creamy and sweet and nice. Yeah. It's very refreshing and light, but still sweet at the same time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I too love bubble tea. Um, taro is my very favorite. Ooh, me too. Yeah. And I, I remember very vividly the first time I had it, I was in high school and at the time, again, I know I say it all the time, I grew up in a really small town, so you hmm. had to go places to get these kinds of things. And so we had to drive an hour away to the mall and not like the, there was another mall that was 40 minutes away. That one didn't have any bubble tea. You got to go to the one that's an hour away. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I was so delighted. And I went with a good friend of mine who was from Taiwan. And she was my my guide oh, into uh-huh. trying flavors that were new to me, like taro. So, like, without her, I'm sure I probably would have eventually tried it. But she was like, you know, you need to try these things that I weren't sure what they were. And I trusted her. And she was right. Oh, she was right. oh that's wonderful. Um, Gosh, my, my first bubble tea experience was in... College uh, that the sushi restaurant opened up um, that had 
bubble tea as well. And uh, and I was like, what are these beautiful, brightly colored things that come in these cool cups? I need to try all of them. And I did. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I when I was in China, I tried a lot. I tried a lot. And in Japan. And um, there, we're going to talk about this, but there's just something for me that was so fun and colorful about, yeah, like popping that straw in there. Yeah. Those differences in textures. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a drink and a snack at the same time. I love it. I do, too. Well, unfortunately, the reason this was on my mind is because <laughs> there is a tapioca shortage. So there's been a lot of headlines in the news about how that's going to impact bubble tea. Um, yes, and more about that a little bit later on. Yes. Um, but, hey, National Bubble Tea Day is April 30th, so that's coming up. Whoa. For, Are we on I top know. of something for once? Uh, accidentally. <laughs> yes. I'll take it. <laughs> I will, too. <laughs> um, well, I guess let's get to our question. Mm-hmm. Bubble tea. What is it? Well, uh, bubble tea is a category of sweet beverages. Uh, They can range pretty widely in components and flavors. Actual tea does not have to be involved. It's sort of a modern parallel to the kind of drinks you can get from, like, old-timey soda and ice cream parlors. These just, like, highly customizable treats of varying levels of fancifulness. Yes, yes. And we have a couple places in Atlanta for sure, where you oh, go in yeah. and just options galore. <laughs> yeah, it's beautifully overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Very colorful, usually inside. Oh yeah, the uh the, the the baseline though, I guess you could say, is like a like a cold black tea, uh, like a good strong black tea mixed with lots of sweetener and creamer of some kind, um, served over ice, along with a textural component. Um, uh, Again, baseline, uh, these chewy balls of sweetened tapioca. Uh, Tapioca being a type of powdered starch that's extracted from um, cassava, which is this very starchy root plant. You can use tapioca as a thickener to make all sorts of like chewy stuff, like little little balls. Yeah. The drink comes in these clear plastic cups uh, with this like thin cellophane type lid that's sealed on top that you break through with a pointed straw. And the straw is typically extra wide to accommodate the tapioca or other additions. It's often given a solid shake before being poured or, or handed over in order to create a little bit of a, of a foam, like a, like a bubble foam on top. Mm-hmm. But my goodness, creamy black tea is only the start. Um, lots of other creamy flavors, and, and these are called milk teas, whether they include tea or not. So you've got like green milk tea, coffee milk tea, matcha milk tea, uh, fruity bases like strawberry milk tea or taro milk tea, uh, coconut milk tea, herbal bases like peppermint milk tea. Uh, The creamy base can be milk or cream or soy milk or yogurt or non-dairy creamer or sweetened condensed milk. There are non-creamy varieties, uh, any type of iced tea or tisane or fruit flavor that you can imagine, um, ginger or hibiscus or lemonade. To all of these, flavor syrups can be added from simple honey to fruit flavors like maybe lychee or mango to um, like cafe-type flavors like caramel or hazelnut or chocolate. It can be blended into a slushy, sometimes with a frozen fruit to make like a smoothie-type variation with a berries or bananas or avocados. It can be served hot. Doesn't have yeah. to be cold. I I once got a hot one and I was not expecting it. I oh. didn't know that was a thing. And I was like, whoa, but it was very good. So 
There you no go. No complaints. <laughs> I've never had a I've never had a warm one, but uh, oh, now I want to try one. Anyway, uh, yeah, and okay, and so then we get to the add-ins. Hoof. Those aforementioned tapioca balls uh, called boba or pearls, um, they can either come in like a neutral brown sugar flavor and color or a variety of other colors and mild flavors and uh, either like soft chewy or chewy chewy. Think like the range of like a soft gummy bear to like a hard gummy bear. I'm thinking of like Chewbacca where (laughs) he's either at home with his family Mm -hmm. soft chewy. Mm Mm-hmm. Or chewy, chewy, trying to rip your arms off. Yeah, yeah, like so. screaming and terrifying. Yes, but yeah. still got that softness. Oh, sure. Underneath. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to eat all the porgs. Not all of them. <laughs> He's going to feel bad after the first seven or eight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's a good uh, parallel to what we're talking about here. Uh, and and and. Uh, other than tapioca, yeah, there's um, there's gelatins called uh, jellies, um, either in cubes or a slush. Um, they're, they're softer than boba, but but still, yeah, have a little bit of that jelly sort of texture. These can come in all sorts of flavors, from like a mild aloe or or grass flavor to um, uh, by grass it usually means just like kind of herbally, like sort of minty, to bright fruit flavors like pineapple or passion fruit to something bittersweet like coffee. Uh, there's also custards, which are sometimes called puddings, um, and these are, again, highly gelled in, in cubes or a slush, um, just plain creamy or flavored with fruit or anything. You can get these flavored liquid-filled gel spheres that pop in your mouth. They're called popping boba or popping pearls. I hate these. <laughs> <laughs> I just despise them. <laughs> I've never had one that didn't taste like cancer to me. And I'm like, why is this? And what is this texture? I hate it. Anyway, um, uh, you can also get um, sweet red beans uh, or chia seeds. They're just infinite variants. Um, They capitalize on different trends at the time. Uh, There's cheese tea, cold foam on top. Uh, You can get them in cocktail format, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Wow. And the results perhaps obviously vary, uh, but but yeah, it's a it's a drink that's often got a, a strong visual component and a strong textural component. It's sort of yeah, a, a drink and a snack at the same time. They are often served in specialty shops, um, sometimes alongside other desserts and baked goods and beverages, but can also be found um, in the U.S. anyway in various types of Asian restaurants. I've encountered them personally most often in Vietnamese places, but Mm -hmm. that's anecdotal evidence. You can find the uh, ingredients and and make them at home. Yes. I found many recipes while researching this episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. I believe I have a, like, half-used bag of boba somewhere in my pantry. Well, there's a boba fit pun in here as well. Oh, no. (laughs) The Too puns many. are strong with this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> here's my important question. Lauren. Yes. Bubble tea pizza? <laughs> I like that that's your whole question. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I think it gets the point across. It does. It does. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, um, 
2019, both Domino's and Pizza Hut's Taiwan branches um, came out with these limited edition bubble tea-inspired dessert pizzas. Both involved classic brown sugar boba. I'm not sure about the Pizza Hut one, but the Domino's one was pretty well documented. Um, uh, it was a thin crust cheese pizza that was topped with uh, with black boba pearls, some uh, balls of white mochi, and like a drizzle of honey. Uh, no sauce, kind of did like that sweet and savory thing. Apparently it was real good. I'm open to it. I'm very, I'm having trouble imagining what that would taste like, but I'm open to it. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to get like I mean like it it sounds like a pretty basic sweet and savory pizza flavor-wise. I'm trying to figure out the texture combination. Yeah. And whether I would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean it's not unheard of to put boba in or on sweet baked goods in Taiwan, you know, to to use them either as a filling or as part of like a sauce. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, well, a follow-up question. <laughs> what about the nutrition? Uh, I don't know. Um, it, uh, it, it, it depends. I mean, uh, you know, we, we went through a lot of options for how these things can be made. Um, you know, they're, they're often sugary. Tapioca is just a, just a starch, um, so it's sugar on sugar. You know, the, the creamers are often calorie-dense with fats. Uh, most specialty shops can really customize for you if you're looking to get something um, with uh, less fat or less sugar. But, you know, hey, it's a treat. Treats are nice. Oh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to treat myself to some soon. If the I know. <laughs> I know. It, sh- it should hypothetically be a little bit easier-ish on the East Coast than the West Coast, but I'm not sure. At any rate. Oh, well. Oh, look into it. Uh Uh, We do have some numbers for you. According to Allied Market Research, the value of the bubble tea market was $1.9 billion in 2016, $1.9 billion. And it's estimated that it'll be $3.2 billion worth of sales by 2023 and $4.3 billion worth of sales by 2027. And that does come from two different sources. So, Hmm. Um, like those numbers come from two different predictions, but a lot growing. Fast. Yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> growing and growing pretty much worldwide. From from what I understand, um, <laughs> my next note here, okay, isn't a number; it's a letter. Um, but apparently, the Taiwanese descriptor for for the bouncy, chewy texture of boba is called Q or QQ, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that, and I love it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. And also, we should say there's approximately, I mean, 10 plus names of what people call bubble oh, tea. yeah. And apparently, like, it's boba pretty exclusively um, on the West Coast. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Well, the largest franchise chain in the United States is called Kung Fu Tea. Um, they are the ones who originated the uh, National Bubble Tea Day. They've got some 250 locations right now and have another uh, uh, fr- franchise locations, yeah, and have some uh, 70 that are due to open this year. Wow. They serve 64 types of drinks, which actually isn't that many for a bubble tea place, all things considered. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of like, oh, 
Only 64. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also uh, not that not that many compared to um, some other global chains. One of the leading franchises out of Taiwan called uh, Gongcha has over a thousand franchises in 17 countries. And okay. yeah, like like Annie said, growing, a uh, growing industry. In 2018 alone, orders of bubble tea were up by 3,000% in the Southeast Asia market. 3,000? <laughs> <laughs> yep, I like triple checked the number of zeros in that and I was like, okay, all right, cool. Well, uh, you know, it's a delight. <laughs> it is. It is. Oh, uh, but 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 how did we get to here? That is a good question and one that we will attempt to answer. But first, we are going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay, so history of milk tea, different episode. Oh, geez, yeah. Yes, um, but very, very, very briefly, the Chinese were drinking milk tea as far back as 600 to 900 CE-ish, um, and Europeans recorded the Chinese drinking it in the 17th century. After that, the practice of adding milk to tea faded away for a couple of centuries in China before the British repopularized it there in the 19th century. 
Meanwhile, uh, by the mid-20th century, under Japanese control, cold tea drinks were gaining popularity in Taiwan. Right. So Chong Fanshu, who worked at an izakaya in Taiwan during World War II, um, and that one that was under, yes, Japanese control, in 1949, um, he opened a tea shop where the specialty was this tea that was handshaken in cocktail shakers. Later, machines were used. It was called foam tea, and it was this really smooth, bubbly beverage. This drink benefited from a growing acceptance of cold drinks and also drinks for pleasure in Taiwan. Yeah, yeah. Um, After the end of the war, um, stuff like this was becoming more popular. The history of cassava is also a whole different episode um, and one that gave me a very minor panic attack (laughs) during the last few minutes before we stepped in to record. But, okay, so, um, so Spanish and Portuguese colonizers brought it from South America to, um, to the Philippines starting in the 1600s. The Dutch brought it to Indonesia in the 1700s and by the like late 1800s, it had spread throughout much of Asia. It was originally a sustenance crop, developed into an income crop, and eventually a market for uh, these chewy tapioca starch dessert products developed. Yes, and that fit right in alongside other desserts that had similar textures and flavor profiles in this region. Yes, okay, but so, putting all of these together. Yes, most people pin the origins of bubble tea to Taiwan in the 1980s. So pretty recent. Yeah. At the time, milk tea was already popular there, and the practice of drinking it was widespread throughout East Asia. Simultaneously, people enjoyed desserts like shaved ice and tapioca balls, especially during the summer. The story goes that an enterprising food stall owner got the idea to combine all three of these things, beginning with a layer of tapioca balls topped with shaved ice and then finished with milk tea. People called it boba, a slang word for breast, because of the shape of the tapioca balls. Yep, never put that together. (laughs) Um, And perhaps particularly in reference to Hong Kong actress Amy Yip, whose nickname was Boba, or champion of the breast. Huh. Yes, and the bubble and bubble tea actually refers to the layer of bubbles on top, or at least that's what some articles claim was the original intent, because some do say it is the bubbles, the tapioca. But a but lot yeah. of people said it's actually It's actually to... that foam tea thing that we were talking about from right. the 1940s and 50s. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um. Some of these stories specifically credit Lu Hanxie, the owner of the tea shop Chun Shui Tang. They credit him with this whole being the enterprising food stall person Uh behind it. An idea that he got after enjoying chilled coffee in Japan. But the boba came into play when an employee at this food stall, who is also the product manager named Lin Tzu Hui, added tapioca balls to her iced tea. And there's a lot of really fun stories, including interviews with her where she says she was bored, like, at a meeting, (laughs) and was just really looking for a way to spice up her day. (laughs) And then she was like, holy crap, this is good, try this. And then everyone tried it, and everyone was like, holy crap, that is good. Yeah. Yes, yes. On the other hand, others cite 
two-song Huzz Hanlon Tea House, where his creation was called Pearl Green Tea. And two was an entrepreneur and an artist, and also majorly in debt and looking for a way to get out of it in 1986. He decided to get in on this tea trend that was happening, um, but was looking for a way to stand out among all these other competitors. According to him, he got the idea of adding tapioca balls after seeing them at a night market and being reminded of desserts from his childhood. The white tapioca balls and the green tea, which is what uh, he used first, reminded him of his mother's pearls, hence the name. Later, he tried the larger black tapioca balls, which required uh, working with factories to commission larger straws, because before that, people would just use spoons. Oh, sure. To scoop them out. Uh, Two claims the popularity of his pearl tea got him out of debt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, and there was, right, there was simultaneously this, um, this big economic boom in Taiwan at the time, um, and, uh, and yeah, a growing popularity of, of these, yeah, just like fun iced beverages. Yeah, yeah. And as boba grew in popularity, it evolved as more and more food stalls and restaurants put their own spins on it, adding fruit powders and syrups to make fruit boba. They didn't really use real fruit because it didn't last long. Mm -hmm. Um, And then ingredients and flavors like red beans, almond jelly, grass jelly, egg pudding, those kinds of things. The milk was largely swapped out for a non-dairy creamer to also increase shelf life, which made the resulting beverage sweeter and creamier. Boba was particularly popular amongst young folks who would hang out with friends at boba shops. American aid programs introduced powdered creamer in Taiwan during the Cold War. So like so many things we talk about, you see this confluence of cultures and flavors and history really coming together to create this thing. Yeah. In the 90s, as more Taiwanese immigrants arrived in the United States, many settling in California and around L.A. specifically. um, And then also you have this growing trend of cafe culture helped along by places like Starbucks. Boba took off in the United States. Um, The first dedicated boba shops started opening, most owned and operated by Taiwanese folks. This also coincided with a wave of Asian pop culture exports arriving to the U.S. like anime and K-pop. Some Chinese restaurants offered small styrofoam cups of inexpensive boba, often as part of a meal, sort of like, here's, you're done with your meal, have this thing. Yeah. Which I have encountered. I'd forgotten about that until we were researching this, but... I've gotten that at a couple of restaurants where it's like, oh yeah, nice little surprise. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've gotten that at um at a couple Malaysian restaurants sometimes, like a like a little shave ice sort of thing at the mm-hmm. or shaved ice. I guess shave ice is the Hawaiian version. Cool. Yes, that was some yes. crossed wires in my head. <laughs> it happens to all of us, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> um, towards the end of the first decade of the 2000s, in the early 2010s. More and more specialty boba shops started opening across the U.S., offering a wide range of options, including real milk, um, allowing for this really customizable and often colorful product, very Instagrammable, which also helped Mm -hmm. popularize it even more. 
Places like the Boba Guys also helped uh, bubble tea really take off in the U.S. Um, And beginning in 2012, Google Trends data shows an increase in searches for bubble tea and boba tea. According to numbers from Foursquare, the amount of boba shops increased by over three times from 2015 to 2019, from 884 shops to 2,980 shops. And those are just places using their technology. Yeah, yeah. Many of these shops are being opened by first or second generation Asian Americans. And it's worth pointing out, too, that while in some instances boba has been Americanized, in many it hasn't, and in fact, adapts to Asian trends like cheese, foam, tea. However, um, (laughs) I I thought this was interesting. In 2012, several McDonald's across Germany offered boba for a limited time. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I told I told I totally want my I mean I don't want to go to McDonald's particularly, but like yeah. If they had a boba option in their wonderfully terrifyingly delicious ice cream desserts, I would get a blizzard <laughs> with boba. Come on. Come or whatever on. they call it there. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, the the Germany aspect is kind of what threw me when I was reading about that. Uh not that they don't like boba there. I was just kind of like, "Huh, Germany. All right." Yeah. In an ultimately failed attempt to convince the public that a proposed weapon, hard turn, really wasn't that expensive, (laughs) um, the Taiwanese government released these flyers claiming that if the public skipped a glass of milk tea a week for 15 years, the weapon would be paid for. And yeah, that backfired. (laughs) The the media nicknamed it uh, the, quote, bubble tea for arms incident. Wow. People were not happy. That... Yeah. They're like, A, how dare you? And B, how dare you? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The Fung Brothers released the song Boba Life in 2013, which they later followed up with Boba Life 2, Pearls Gone Wild. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 2015, the first photos of Boba Pizza from independent shops in Taiwan started surfacing. I got to look these up. (laughs) <laughs> See, when I was reading about it, it was just a cartoon of a piece of pizza. And so I was like, is it just like pizza with tapioca on it? But what you're describing, I, I'm much more on board with. <laughs> um, so check that out. It it, it looks strange. Uh, it, it looks like I, it's just like a, I don't know, like those those really dark brown sugar boba aren't something that I expect to see with melted cheese on top of them. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of like, Burr? but <laughs> I think, yeah, we'll have to do some investigating. I think absolutely might be hard to get here, but I, I, think, I believe in us. <laughs> <laughs> in 2017, journalist Carissa Way wrote an article for LA Weekly describing the youth culture of Asian Americans living in LA and Boba's role in it. Quote, as a Taiwanese-American kid growing up in the early 2000s in the San Gabriel Valley, the concoction was an integral part of my social life, going on to call boba shops, quote, our sacred gathering grounds. That same year, the New York Times ran a piece on the trendiness of bubble tea, which was an article that got called out by the Asian-American community for using words like exotic and blobs for tapioca balls, among Mm. other things, which the author addressed uh, in a follow-up article. Great. Um, Yeah. (laughs) 
Economic and cultural figures weighed in on boba too, speculating that the rise of bubble tea in the U.S. uh, correlated to the rise of Chinese economic and cultural power. There's even a term, uh, boba liberalism, referring to mainstream Asian-American liberalism. I'm telling you, researching this, there were so many deep, deep takes that are so worthwhile, and I recommend finding them. Yeah, I'll try to remember to link them on Twitter or something like that. Yeah. A lot of the pieces I read were these really beautiful and sometimes really painful looks at the Asian American experience and this nostalgia of bubble tea and how it acted as something more than food, a piece of identity, but then also examining the problems within that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I love it. It's, yeah, what another reminder of like, oh, food is it means so much. And there's all of the we're talking about like the rise of China economically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like like I like like saying the sentence like poignant think piece about boba tea is like mildly ridiculous. But but it's also very much not. And yeah, yeah. That's, that's why I like this show, Annie. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I also like that sometimes we get to talk about litigation because <laughs> it was a 10-year litigation over bubble tea in Taiwan. Uh, it started in 2009 and did not come to an end until 2019 when the court determined that any shopper person can make boba. I was reading an article from Taiwan with Google Translate, so some of it I was like, not sure. Uh, but it sounds like it was those restaurants we were talking about earlier saying, like, no. It was us that had invented it, and only us. And then it was very funny. There's a quote in there that's like, we take our boba very seriously, and we're competitive, but we're still friends. Oh, "Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Oh, it's wonderful. And emoji news. The boba emoji debuted in 2020. Very important. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Also in 2020, during the first uh, mandatory COVID-19 shutdown in Singapore, um, <laughs> bubble tea shops saw lines five times as long as usual the night before. Wow. Mm-hmm. They were like, they were like 11.59, everyone has to shut down. And like people's like last wish <laughs> was to go get boba tea. Lauren, you know, I don't want to hammer this home too much, but you really need to watch the Star Wars holiday special because... <laughs> There's a scene. There's a scene with B. Arthur. She sings a song where she's trying to get people to leave the bar because the Empire shut the bar down. And she's like, you've got to go. And no one will go. And she's like, one more round now. One more. Wow. (laughs) It all comes back. That is... See, this is so okay. Okay, one. Okay, actually, hold on. I'm going to finish out this outline, then I'm going to come back to B. Arthur. Um, Okay, perfect. So, um, as we mentioned at the top, yes, uh, right now there is this looming boba shortage in the United States um, because there is this huge bottleneck in the oceanic shipping industry into California due to a bunch of factors. It's it's increases in um, both shipping demand and also all of these different supply chain issues thanks to COVID-19. Like, there have been a backlog of some 30 ships stuck outside L.A.'s ports every day this year. And uh, and then, as things are quietly starting to open up again, 
there's even more demand from businesses like bubble tea shops. A lot of U.S. shops do import ready-made boba from Taiwan or make their own from tapioca starch, often also imported from Taiwan or neighboring areas like Thailand. But uh, simultaneously, there have been droughts in some of those areas like Taiwan. Thanks again, climate change. Um, So... So there are these, like, government regulations on water use, which is tightening supply even further. Also, that Suez Canal backup did not help. No. No. (laughs) So, uh, back to B. Arthur. Okay. (laughs) Ready. I I just need to note that you might be thinking to yourself, why was B. Arthur singing in a bar in the Star Wars special? Uh-huh. The answer is that uh, she, as a pretty young thing, um, was doing this, like, big run of the Three Penny Opera on Broadway at the time. So uh, so she was this kind of, like, big star of the stage. And so they they were, like, clearly, like, hey or she had been relatively recently. So they were like, hey, come on. Come do that thing that you do, B. Arthur, which is sing. Kind of raunchily. <laughs> she did. There you go. Sing she did. I mean, that's probably, that's got to be my favorite part. It's close. It's got to be. And also, she's got a great attitude. This guy is being really rude to her, and she handles him <laughs> so well. She just shuts it down. <laughs> I think it's excellent. And then she's got this unruly bar and Tatooine. She gets them all out. She, I'm telling you, be Arthur. Hmm. Be Arthur, (laughs) y'all. Be Arthur, y'all. That's the shirt that we need. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, that is what we have to say about Bubble Tea and I guess also be Arthur. For now. (laughs) At the current moment. (laughs) now. (laughs) Uh, We do have some listener mail for you. We do, but first we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. 
for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener. Listener. Mel. Boba or bubble. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we got so many emails <laughs> about root beer, which we're very excited <laughs> to share. Yes. Uh, in the coming episodes. And Lauren, you were just saying you you tried your root beer? Yeah, yeah. I had gotten a bottle of Jones Cola root beer um, uh, in like wh- while we were reading, while we were doing the reading for that episode. Um, and I drank it over the weekend and it was heckin' delightful. Uh, not a sponsor, just an observation. Um, and uh, But as I was drinking it, I was like, oh yeah, no, this kind of does remind me of like Vicks Vapor Rub a little bit. Oh, and okay. Because I feel like that normally would be a negative thing. <laughs> But no, for you. It, was, it was just a note. It was it was like a like an association I had never really made before, and I was uh, kind of like, oh no, I get I get why people would say that. Like, sure, okay, all right, not in an off putting way. Like, I mean, it's sure. it's a soda pop. It's very, it's a, it's very sweet. <laughs> there's, uh-huh. a, there's a lot of vanilla to it, so I don't know. Anyway, okay. Well, I mean, I have yet to try it. <laughs> I will tell you, we've gotten a lot of. Takes on either side, but uh, perhaps more negative uh, <laughs> <laughs> opinions. All right. I the, the next time that we do an exchange of items, I'm going to get you some root beer. Okay. I'm going to keep it open mind. Okay. But your, your uh, take on your experience is a good uh, segue into <laughs> Andy's letter. Andy wrote... I just wanted to confirm that root beer reminds me of a topical muscle cream that I grew up with in Australia, Danko Rub. I hope that's how it's pronounced. I tried to look it up and I couldn't find it. It could be Danko Rub, but I like Danko Rub. So that's what I'm going with. (laughs) Pronunciation-wise. Uh, Andy continues, I grew up in Australia, but I've lived in Canada for the past nine years. My Canadian husband loves root beer. On a visit to Australia, he hurt his back, and my friend gave him some Danko rub. As I was rubbing it onto his back, he mentioned it smelled just like root beer, which I had been telling him for years. He was so stoked to smell like his favorite soda. Root beer and Dr. Pepper didn't last very long in Australia. I remember it for a few years as a kid, but I also remember people using sodas as dares. Oh. Mm -hmm. Soda side note. In Australia, we call Sprite lemonade, which makes no sense since it's a lemon and lime flavored soda. I didn't know that until my first visit to the USA, and when the drink came to the table as lemonade... I was pretty confused. <laughs> My American friends had to explain it to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. I. This is so interesting to me. This like different sodas in different countries. I do think Sprite, 
I, 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 well, one day we'll do an episode on it, I'm sure. But they've kind of, I'm not sure that they have rightfully benefited from their um, kind of <laughs> reputation as being the healthier, <laughs> the healthy soda, the lemonade. <laughs> the lemonade, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Also, it's very funny to me that uh, your husband was thrilled to smell like his favorite soda. That reminds me of like going to Claire's and you could get like the Coca-Cola flavored chapstick. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, Shell wrote, I just listened to this and you asked if root beer was unpopular outside of the U.S. I live in Canada and I love root beer. I've even tried brewing it myself. My favorite kind of pop. So we've got Canada, it seems. Yeah, I think I think Canada is on board along with the United States. Okay. Canada's with us, all right. Yeah. Or at least just as on board as the United States is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which apparently varies. Um, but uh, <laughs> Michael wrote... I want to share my root beer making story. I homebrewed an Oktoberfest for my wedding to give away as a favor. Our wedding was fall themed. Um, I figured a root beer was a good kid alternative for the couple kids that would be present. Nothing fancy, root beer flavoring and yeast, sugar, water. Bottled it up like I do the beer in glass bottles, put them in the basement of my parents' house. Went over one day a few weeks before the wedding to label the bottles, which we did. Stacked the cases of beer and such in the corner of the dining room, and we drove home. Halfway home, I remember the exact intersection my mother calls in a huff because there are exploding bottles in her dining room and it's covered in glass and root beer. Oops. (laughs) I am no longer allowed to make soda at my parents' house. They put the rest of the case outside and said it sounded like gunshots. Every little bit, another one would explode. At least this didn't happen at the wedding. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this reminds me of uh, of the stories about uh, champagne, about sparkling wine um, exploding so frequently in the early days of sparkling wine. Yeah, our pineapples exploding. Oh. <laughs> We've gotten some. You listeners have had some experiences when it comes to the exploding food, food and beverage items. Yeah, y'all have. Gosh. Yes. It's- it's hazardous out there. I know. I'm very glad that no one's yet uh, been seriously injured in these. Oh, goodness, <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed, y'all. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Exploding root beer. And I will say, just a teaser, Michael was not the only one who wrote in about exploding root beer. So oh, you goodness. have those letters to look forward to, listeners. Great. Love it. Yes. We really, really appreciate you all answering the call. We asked about root beer and your thoughts about it. You, you came <laughs> to our rescue. <laughs> you answered. We we love it. We love it. Mm-hmm. Thanks to all of those listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. 
Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 